Hello and welcome to the third podcast in the series entitled Black, British and Kicking It. This series analyzes the different things, activities Black, British people do or are engaged in and how this shapes their identities. Moreover, this demonstrates the diversity of Black people, what we do and how we are kicking it despite the challenging times we are in. My name is Vanya Lorenzo Thulis, and I'm an administrator with the Faculty of Liberal Arts and Sciences of the University of Greenwich. And I'm interviewing Dr. Louise Owusu Kortang, an associate professor in applied sociology at the University of Greenwich, on her engagement and autobiographical research on her experience in the rave culture as a Black woman in the 1990s. So, um, Louise. Uh, what are you doing now? Okay, tell me so, about your background, about yourself. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, as as you just said, I am um, an associate professor in sociology. Um, so I grew up in Nottingham, so that's in the East Midlands for those people who um, don't know anything north of Camden. Anyway, so yeah, I grew up there and I came down to London in the 90s, so in 1994. But it was actually in Nottingham that I, I got involved in the rave culture, sort of like it was quite by accident, but I'll explain a bit that, that I'll explain a bit about that later. But yeah, I came down to London to do my degree. Um, I lived over in Bark in South at the University of East London. And then um, I, when I finished in 97, I took a couple of years out, you know, um, just to work and to get a bit of experience and stuff. And then I started my MA in at Oxford Brookes University. I worked there for a little while, um, came back down to London. I don't know what it is about this place, but it just keeps dragging me back. And then, um, yeah, I went off to Madrid for a couple of years and then guess what? I'm back in London again. Um, wow. So yeah, um, you know, I, kept, I started at the University of Greenwich in um, 2005. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, but I think, you know, as, as growing up, I've never been one of those people that quite fitted in, you know, like that's just, I'm a highly individual person. I mean, it's very interesting because like when a couple of months before I was born, some, um, you know, some a gypsy came to my mum's door. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, a traveller lady came to my mum's door and stuff. And then she asked to read her poems. And then she told my mum that, like, you know, I wouldn't be. Um, she said that I would be highly individualised. I don't, I, I don't think wow. that was quite the word that she used, but that's what she said. And you know, she just, she just said that, you know, I'll just be very different. And I think that has spoken, that has come through. I mean, my mum didn't tell me that and think until I was 21, by which time, mm -hmm. you know, the boat had already sailed. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, my, my differences is just kind of come in everything that I do. I mean, you know, like in terms of my career, everybody sort of like went one way, I went another. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely in terms of my music choice and, you know, yes. in terms of the way that I dress and everything. So when... Um, when I was sort of like growing up, uh, it was high life. We always had to listen to high life. And I'll tell you a little bit more about why that was anyway. But, mm -hmm. you know, as we got into sort of like our teens and everything, um, like, you know, most of my friends were into kind of like R&B and hip hop and bashment and stuff like that. But it just, that just, I liked some hip hop and don't get me wrong, I still do. I've got mm -hmm. some on my download list, but I just, it 
just wasn't quite doing it for me in the way that sort of like rave music was or happy hardcore or whatever. Mm -hmm. I absolutely can't stand R&B, but I think people always assume that because you're black, this is what you should like, but I just can't listen to it. So yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a little bit about me and my music choice, but I'll talk more about that later. Is it something to do with the rhythm or the lyrics or what doesn't attract you about R&B? Just as out of curiosity, because it's one of my favorite uh, genres. So we're sort of clashing there. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) No offense taken. No, no, no. It's just just too, it's just too slow. It's just too Mm -hmm. slow. And to me, it just feels a bit like whiny music and stuff like that. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's okay. You know, I like to be moving and, you know, just like, you know, stuff that I, I like fast music. And again, I think yes, this is yes. also mm-hmm. my, my It's something to do with the tempo. Reality. I get it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to let you in on a secret, um, which is I have a misconception of rave culture. Oh, okay. And I've always had, I think we were about the same age, but uh, growing up, I was more into the American R&B you know, hip hop kind of style. And, uh, and also some of my African uh, background culture as well. Oh, yeah. But, um, but rave culture was seen as a, had a really bad connotation, I have to admit. And uh, even my parents um, were quite concerned that, you know, uh, growing up as a teenager, that I would be mixing up with the, with the wrong crowd. Because unfortunately, it was associated with rowdy behavior disruptive behavior drug intake and it wasn't great parents wanted us completely out of that scenario so uh, this is a good conversation because you can deconstruct that you know that image that i have of rave culture uh so what can what more can you tell me what positive things can you give me about rave culture Okay, I'm going to flip the switch. All right. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand where your parents got came were coming from because my parents were of a similar view. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we I grew up listening to a lot of high life music, and I do. That's actually that's another genre of music. I wouldn't say it's quite up there with rave, but it's close. It's close. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we grew up listening to sort of like high life music and everything, and part of that was because I think you know my parents were like yours in the sense that you know, I think anything that wasn't sort of like African high life or whatever was just, you know, you know, you just didn't do it. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that sort of like conception came from, I think it came from the media and, you know, like what was being shown at the time. Yes. And um, it's really interesting because there's a guy called Stan Cohen and Stan Cohen did this research around kind of moral panics in youth cultures. Mm-hmm. He was talking about like, you know, the mods and the rockers during the 60s. But I think his ideas kind of like really apply to the rave culture as well. Because like, you know, when uh, in the in the sort of ni- 80s and 90s, because I was into it in the 90s. But, you know, at that time, you know, capitalism was really deep in, in the UK. You know, like yes. it was making a lot of people unhappy, very sort of like individualized and disenfranchised and whatnot. And so, you know, the rave culture was a way of kind of like, you know, bringing all that together and trying to kind of re-establish that form of collectivism. But I think one of the reasons why it was just kind of like represented was because it was just kind of going against the dominant 
capitalist way. And so what you would see on the television is exactly what you're describing, that like, you know, people are rowdy, or they ever take his drugs and stuff like that. I think what didn't help, I always remember this thing, it was on television in 1989, where the, these these ravers had kind of like gone and taken over a field, you know, someone's farm and stuff like that. And the yeah. farmer, he was just chilled about it, do you know what I mean? But And I'm not yes. saying, I didn't go to raves like that, I just want to tell you, but like, I think that just showing that on the television constantly and then like, you know, the drug takers or whatnot. So I just want to say that I didn't take any drugs. I don't even drink alcohol because I can't stand the taste of it. And, you know, I'm very, very cautious. I don't, you know, I would be very, I'm very cautious about taking the drugs. But for me, it was just the music. It was just really mm -hmm. very much the music. And, you know, that kind of like nice um, collectivity, you know, the fact that you met people, lots of different people and stuff. And, yes. you know, you could just talk about the rave, the latest sort of like rave tracks or whatever and stuff. And then like, you know, the dancing, because like you could just do any kind of dancing. Because I mean, you know, people always, it's really funny because whenever we used to go out clubbing, in, there's this place in Nottingham that we used to call called Essence and Essence had like different kinds of music they had the R&B room the drum and bass the jungle um the hip-hop room and stuff like that and I remember mm -hmm. once going into a hip-hop room and stuff no yeah I was going to yeah I was going in the hip-hop room and stuff like that and you know I did for a moment try to dance and then like I was just kind of getting laughed at do you know what I mean so I just knew that it just absolutely wasn't for me you know yes yes mm -hmm. so yeah so it just um I think a lot, as I say, I think a lot of the connotations are negative. I mean, I don't think there's a sort of like true understanding of what it was and, you know, how it was more about the kind of a, the collectivity or there's not always an understanding that people will just like it for the music and what it means to them and what it does to them and stuff. So I think it's mm -hmm. a bit of a shame, but I can understand where you got that misconception from. I think the yes. music plays a big role definitely thing, i'm just thinking as well it's just because like you know both of our parents you know they 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 migrated to the west and yes. i think you know like they've always got that worry about you know us that are kind of growing up here growing up in the west or growing up in portugal or growing up um in the uk because you know they're worried that they we're going to kind of like you know lose our heritage culture and i think that yes. in actual fact we're not do you know what I mean? Because like we're born and raised outside, but you know, there's a, people take on board, the, you know, their ethnicities in lots of different ways. Some people will reject it, but I think there's there was a, you know, for us, I think many of us kind of like, you know, hybridized it. We took on both sides of ourselves. So it's mm -hmm. not as if we would ever lose that side of ourselves, but I think our parents were a little bit worried that we would and that, you know, also being black in a sort of like, you know, Western. Oh, yes. Yes, you definitely. Which is very, um, you know, like they just don't want us to kind of like get into trouble because they know that we have to work twice as hard and like, you know, what the police do. So I totally get that. I totally get where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes a little bit of trust and a little bit of kind of understanding that, you know, we do what we're going to do and stuff and we'll be okay would be really, would have been really great, I think. And I, my opinion about that is that uh, having a teenager, a teenage son as well and raising a mm. teenage son is that you, you need to do your best in terms of values, moral values and education and mm. give them a good foundation. But then when they go out to the world, they're going to experience things. They're going to yes. mix things, you know, some of what they already have that you've given yeah. them and some of what they're experiencing outside, out there, isn't yeah. it? I think it's, yeah. it's trusting that, that you've done yeah. a good job. 
Yes, 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 yes. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, because they were so busy and trying to sort of like navigate the world, it's probably, mm -hmm. they probably didn't have enough time to reflect, but then also because of their own upbringing as yes. well, you know, their own upbringing and back home and everything. So that, that shapes a lot of things. And I think as well, you know, like when you look at the, the media back home and, and, you know, like what it is about, you know, children that are born in the West, I don't think any of that helps either. So I think yes. it's, it's panic on their part, I think. Definitely, you know. definitely. And it comes from, from a place where you are uh, adapting to a lot of things, absolutely. you know, absolutely. you absolutely. are living your country, you're adapting and obviously you want your children to adapt as well, but with minimum yeah. disruption, isn't it? I, yes. I, I think, yeah. I think at least from my experience, that's what yeah. it was. My mom wanted us to be quite grounded and feel safe and, you know, mm. but it's a lot of pressure on them because they've, they've done this, they've made this big, huge decision. Of, Absolutely. Of leaving everything they knew behind and starting afresh and you know so I do I yeah. do understand where they're coming from. Yeah yeah I think so I think so yeah. I have uh, another question for you about um, mm. your musical journey. Um, what do you listen what kind of music do you listen to and, and what what inspires you you know. Okay I listen to a lot of, uh, if you look at my playlist on my phone, a lot of it is, um, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's happy hardcore. It's happy hardcore. It's sort of like 90s rave. So just, just to explain, so, you know, with, with the rave culture, so like in the 90s, it was, as I say, very much kind of like, you know, mixed, mixed with um, dub and um, uh, um, lovers rock and, and whatnot, but they were and just jungle. kind of like fusing mm -hmm. it, yeah, and fusing it with kind of like breakbeats, and that's what brought kind of rave and hard and hardcore. But then, um, sort of like in ninety two, ninety three, they it, everything just broke off. It broke off into jungle, and it broke off into happy hardcore. And you know, the happy hardcore was was predominantly white and male. But whereas, mm. you know, the jungle was predominantly black and well mixed, but it was a black, it had black origins. Mm -hmm. So my music thing is, is a lot of it is happy hardcore, sort of like from 94, 95. Um, there's some arts, no, there's no, no, there's no R&B, not one R&B tune in there. <laughs> um, a bit of hip hop, you know, like a bit of Nas in there, there's a bit of Mob Deep in there. So like, you know, when mm -hmm. it comes to the hip hop, again, I don't do the soft stuff. I do the deep stuff, you know, the really hard yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, there's some techno in there. There's some, there's, there's a bit of high life in there. There's a, there's a bit of house in there and stuff like that, but no worries. Would, would you be sharing, would you be willing to share your, your playlist with us so that yeah, we can sort of understand more <laughs> about, you know, who Louise is and, you know, what really, what makes Louise in terms of musical taste? Well, let's just, yeah, I'm happy to share it. Um, but as somebody, some, was it last year or the year before, someone did look at, it, look at it and they said that it was very eclectic, but I know that that's not, they didn't mean it in a good way. Oh, you know? <laughs> so we're in for I a think, surprise. You could say that, yes, yes, yes. Oh, wow. And how does the music, this, the, your music choice reflect your personality? How do you think it reflects it? I think, I, I mean, as I was saying, I think I've never been a, I've, I've never been the sort of person that just is, fits in. And I don't want to say normal because we don't know what normal, normal can no, mean anything. No. But I mean, I, I just think it's very, as I say, it's very eclectic. Um, it's very, 
a lot of my music is very, very fast paced and some of it is quite dizzy and stuff. I mean, and I think the thing is I'm dizzy, but not in a, you know, in a silly way, but like, you know, just, just very fast paced. And I think mm-hmm. um, very sort of like diverse because like, you know, one day I could, I could be one thing and then the next day I could be something else. Do you something know else. I mean? Yes. Yeah. And I think it just kind of like, I, I like it because it, you know, when people just, I think when they see me, they just expect one thing. Do you know what I mean? It's that they, they just expect, oh, well, she's black and, you know, this is what she should be listening to and all this, that and the other. And then, like, you know, when they actually start to look and then, you know, they see my odd eye shadow and then, like, you know, I've got my headphones in when I'm walking or if I'm walking on campus and stuff like that. And then, like, you know, I give them my headphones and then you can just see their faces drop and it's really funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, I definitely like your your earrings because you always have some really you know different style of earrings and they always match your outfit that's one thing that stands out people don't you know people who will not be seeing you that will be listening to you they need to have this image but your your earrings are just they really stand out I have to say I'm looking for some new ones to add to the collection but yeah so I think you know like my music and my math and my and also my trainers because like I have a yes you have a collection Mm -hmm. yeah so you know again always always good to add but um yeah I think my music you know like my dress sense and everything I think it's just um how can I put this I'm gonna say eclectic but I'm gonna say in a good way I think it's I like it (laughs) it's me you know Eclectic, yeah. eclectic doesn't have to be, uh, con, you know, negatively, con, you know, it doesn't have to have a negative connotation. It could be no. something different, something that is, you know, different is not, doesn't mean negative. It just means different. That's yeah, how I see it. Yeah, different. Yeah. Yes. Different. I mean, so for some people, it's unique. Like, really, you know, I, I yeah. don't You know, you get to the edge of, in your 40s, as you know, you're just like, you know what? whatever but then I think I've always been like that anyway so yeah wow um going back to your rave um culture the rave journey um Mm -hmm. tell us more about um how you got into rave music what took you Mm -hmm. there um how old you were at the time when did you got get into it and who was your favorite DJ in your area because I know you you brought up Nottingham I need to know because normally people that are not from outside London, they associate that everything is alien, you know, everything is so different and so quiet even. But for you to now say that you have the rave um, scenario in Nottingham, even I'm shocked. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it actually, you know what, in, in actual fact, I would say that like, you know, the, it kind of like came from the north. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. like in Nottingham, we're not quite the north. It was sort of like Manchester. So like it, it kicked off there you know like with the hacienda and stuff like that but anyway mm-hmm. so i i got into it just quite by accident because as i say you know in our house it was very much like okay it was high life or gospel you know what i mean and you couldn't really listen to anything else because what what did that was my brother and my sister like you know they, they'll probably kill me for saying this but like you know they rebelled a bit and stuff and again yeah. you know I think my mum and dad because my brother liked he he was really into sort of like Jimi hendrix rock but all these kind of things that wasn't mm-hmm. the dumb thing for a, for a Ghanaian kid to be listening to. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they just kind of like, and like, again, like, you know, many parents of that generation, and again, a lot like what, um, uh, uh, what's his name, Phil Cohen was saying, you know, they always blame the music for this kind of like, um, 
for people rebelling and everything. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, so we weren't allowed to listen to anything else because they didn't want us to start rebelling and war, this, that, and the other. So I, what happened was one day, and I can remember it was April, 1991, because I turned 16 the next month, right? And um, my brother, my younger brother, he, anything he touched, he always just, he couldn't just leave stuff alone, right? Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, one day he, he, he was up in my bedroom and he was just kind of messing about with the, with the dials of the radio. And then mm -hmm. like he didn't, I knew because like, I knew because like he'd left the door open and then he went downstairs and whatnot. So I just, I was just turned on the radio and I can remember there was a tune, it was called Zero B Lockup. And like it was, and I was just like, oh, I really, really like this. And then like, you could, you know, you could hear the DJ kind of like, you know, doing his thing, zero B lockup, whatever. And I was just yes. like, oh, I like, I just left it on. Um, and then, yeah, so like from then on, I just kind of didn't switch that station. And I, it was one of them kind of stations that weren't supposed to be there. And I think, oh, I, know, I see, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I know where it was <laughs> in Nottingham as well. I think I might have even been to the place. But anyway, um, so yeah, anyway, so I one of those I underground kind of <laughs> Yes, I yeah. see what you mean. And you know, you know, it, I sort of I I heard where it was kind of like operating operating from because it wasn't sort of a million miles away from where I lived anyway. So wow. um anyway, so but it was it definitely not your brother. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, but I mean, the thing is, that's the sort of thing that he would have done as a joke, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, 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 no. My brother was, in, my bro my younger brother was always into sort of like hip hop and, and like he, he was, he thought I was a bit bonkers as well with my music. So anyway, I am, um, so yeah, I mean, I, was, I kind of like listened to it, but it was really funny because like anytime I could, sort, so my, my room was right at the top of the house. So like mm -hmm. if I heard steps coming from like, you know, from downstairs or whatever, the music would just go off. I'll pick up a book or, you know, stop writing again because I just, wow. you know, you were that if scared. I, well, scared, scared, but I, 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 no, actually, I don't even think it's scaredness. I think it was just like, I just couldn't be asked with a hassle. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I you just didn't want to um, get into trouble. Well, I mean, it's not even, it's not, I don't even know if I cared. I think it was just more the hassle of like, I remember what happened, you know, like when you saw sort of like British Ghanaian children, just like not doing what they were told and, you know, the, the, that you would be the talk of the town. I was, you know, for other stuff. And I just thought, I can't be bothered with this. So, you know, I, I just used to just, you know. But then one day um, I had I had these two friends. One of them, sadly, she, she you know, she passed on like a couple of years, you know, 1994. But she, um, like, yeah, no, that was really sad. But anyway, one day we were um, sitting in her bedroom. We were, I was allowed to go to her house like me and this other one so there's me I was in the middle she was the oldest one and then like my other friend was a bit younger than us and it was just like she, we were just moaning we were just sitting there moaning and just like oh we can't do anything we can't this and we can't that so then the youngest one <laughs> the youngest one just kind of said you know what like there's a rave on at the forest I mean no no it wasn't a rave it was a festival so they had all this different kind of music Mm -hmm. and you know like and she, and so like the older one was just like and and she well the youngest one she was very 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 daring she was a bit naughty and then she just goes oh well we should go and I was just like well how are we gonna go because like you know look at look at how we've just been sitting here and complaining and stuff and then she just goes oh no we'll find a way blah 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 so we came up with this when I think about this plan I I just think god we were really bloody sorry we were really stupid because um what <laughs> what we decided was what that, did you do 
it was it was really 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 stupid so we we said okay that we would go to her house because her dad you know used to work used to work um in the factory during the day and her mum used to be out as well so what we said was that we'd go around to her house and then like be working for our GCSEs now mm-hmm. we finished I finished my GCSEs that June all right the rave was in July you know the other one was 18 so like by then she's too old to have been doing her GCSEs and then the other wow. one was she yeah so she was like 14 going on 15 so it was just like, no, she was, no, 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 no. She was 15 going on 16. So she was a little bit younger than me and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it just kind of like, it just looking back now, it was really stupid. But like, so that's what we decided to do. So um, I remember the day was sort of like coming up and, um, you know, I was sitting in the sitting room at home and stuff and we were just popping the pop came on. And like, you know, one of this, this tune, I think it was called, it was by Expansions and it came on and like, you know, it's a kind of ravey tune. And mm-hmm. um, like, you know, I could hear my dad and, you know, my dad was just going, look at these people, like, you know, there's these rave people, you know, these are the ones that are on drugs, and, you know, because it was a video. Because um, I'm always, re- if, you, if you go on YouTube and you see the video and stuff like that, it, it's nothing, you can see this girl just dancing in a room. She's wearing a catsuit, she's dancing in a room and these people dancing around and a guy playing a keyboard. So there's nothing wrong with that. But like, you mm-hmm. know, that was what was on and it was just like, oh. God. So anyway, I just said, okay, I'm going to go, I'll just go and do the washing up because I knew that like, he, you know, like I would start sweating or looking a bit uncomfortable. So I just went. Um, wow. So anyway, so I think that was two days before we were supposed to be going to the rave and whatnot. So on the day, like, you know, I'd, obviously we told our parents that this is what we were going to do. And the thing is that to this day, I'm really surprised that they didn't ask us any questions. I think the very fact that we were going to study made mm-hmm. it look legit. Yes. Yes, legit. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it was it was nuts, right? Because it was around thirty degrees that day. I mean, I I underneath like you know the the rave gear, I had a pair of like hot pants, and I, I'd even borrowed these hot pants from well, not borrowed, I I borrowed them permanently from my mum because um, mm-hmm. like she had these hot pants in the sixties. So I just you know and just added a few bits here and a bodycon and stuff like that. So anyway, Mm -hmm. so I was wearing it underneath this long skirt, like, you know, these really big trainers and this baggy jacket and stuff. And it just looks so wrong. And Mm. again, I'm just really surprised that nobody kind of like asked any questions. So anyway, we went round to my friend's house and everything. And I can remember we just had, um, you know, like, obviously I, we didn't have any alcohol or anything like that. I mean, I I was just Mm -hmm. happy because I had like, I had orange tango. So I was just like all happy about the orange tango. And then we just got changed. And then we went to the rave and stuff and it was just, and well, we went to the festival. So it was very interesting because we all went off into different tents. So I went mm-hmm. off into the rave tent and it was really interesting because you could see like, you know, these, these black people, cause there was a lot of black people there cause it was called the rock and reggae festival. And you wow. could see, you know, they were just kind of like looking at me as if to say, well, why are you go, what are you doing? Why are you going in there and stuff like that? And then my friends just went into where they, cause my friend, the youngest one, she loved her bashment. And then you all went into the R&B tent and stuff. So, you know, we were, what we did was that we were just going to come out every 45 minutes because mm-hmm. like, we didn't have mobile phones just to touch base. So, yes. um, you know, we came out and then I think it must have been the second or the third time we came out and stuff. And then like the youngest one, I'm a, I'm a just, <laughs> I'm a, this is actually quite scary. She just goes, she just goes, oh, there's your mum. And I was just like, oh, you know, 
you know what I was going to say and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God, she was at the party as well. Her and her mum, her, because the thing is, it had like music, but then they also had these, um, you know, like these antiques and stuff like that. So like her and her two friends had gone to the festival. And I was just like, oh my God. So like, you know, the thing is, we were so stupid. The freebies were so stupid because like we ran off in different directions. And um, there was a grave at the top of the park. And then like, I'm a run towards the grave. And then like, you know, Rita ran the other way and then I ran towards town. And it was just like, oh God. You know, yeah, so like it took us ages to find each other again. And then we were just like, oh my God. Go yeah. So it was the so, panic, the whole panic didn't, you were not thinking straight. You just wanted to yeah. not be caught at that point. No, 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 we just, we just that didn't. Was brilliant. We just, like, yeah, I mean, thankfully, Amma didn't live that far. Oh, I shouldn't mention her name. But anyway, she didn't live that far from, from the thing. So, like, we were just like, we better go home. So, you know, but then we 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 we, we kept going. But, I mean, obviously, we didn't go to sort of, like, you know, night raids because they used to do, like, daytime yes. raids and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we used to go to these spaces. Um, and then, yeah, and then I came down. I, you know, obviously, I kept listening to the station. Um, and then, like, I started to... By, I mean, I didn't really get any pocket money. So what I used to do is I used to save my money and go walk to college and just like buy, you know, buy the odd ALP or like a little bit of rave, you know, um, rave outfits and stuff. Yes, wow. So you and were then, really into it. I you did. Were really I invested. Really, really yeah. It. Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I, you know, I got the Prodigy. I, I really liked the Prodigy. Um, mm -hmm. Charlie was my favorite tune. Um, what else? Um, no good start the dance. I really like that tune. But anyway, so when I came down to university as well, like, you know, I was applying all over the place and stuff. I just knew I couldn't spend another couple of years in Nottingham. And then I came down to London and then I um, got it by then. I mean, I was still really into sort of like, you know, rave and hardcore and whatnot, but like, mm -hmm. you know, happy hardcore was kicking in in 94. So I really loved the piano tunes of that. So then, you know, sometimes we would go, to, we would go out clubbing and again, they had all these different rooms. So I just used to wander between like, you know, the happy hardcore and the jungle rooms and stuff like that, because I, I by then I was into jungle. I remember winning wow. a competition when I was at uni. Um, so we had this, it was basically whoever could go, could dance to jungle for the longest. And I Really? Oh my God. How long did you dance for? I danced for an hour nonstop. Wow. I was like seriously, seriously sort of like going at it. You know, I had my Coke in my hand, as in drinking Coke. That just yes, out. yes. You know, cherry, <laughs> cherry Coca-Cola, like I had, a, I had a kind of cherry Coca-Cola. I was really happy, you know, little sip here, then off again. So yeah, I just danced on. For, and then my prize, I can remember my prize was a bottle of Panay, which I gave to someone because I just didn't, you know, obviously I didn't drink alcohol. You didn't drink, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh wow because yeah. that's there's two two questions that i have for you regarding that yeah. one thing is how can you go on for so long dancing to that sort of tempo that's one of the things that intrigued me the most and and yeah. probably why i believe that people were on drugs because they had to be yeah. in some sort of an adrenaline yeah. rush oh, yeah. to do all yeah. of that not necessarily mm. because you just you just proved me wrong because mm. you were mm. able to do that for an hour i wouldn't be able mm. to and another thing is, since moving from, from Nottingham, did you have any friends that shared the same interest in, like, that like the same genre as you? How did you go to these parties and who followed you all? Who did you go with? Well, I mean, I, I used to go, like, I would, we would go to places where, like, all of us, there was music for all of us. So, 
mm -hmm. know, we would go to a club where they had all these different rooms and stuff. And um, I, I, I was often going in, <laughs> I was going in there by myself. And this is what I mean that, you know, when it came, when it came to Njongol, obviously I wasn't the only black person, I wasn't the only black person there, but like the hardcore room, I was often the only black, and the only black person. And um, sometimes the only woman really. So, you know, wow. so I, I would just go, but I just didn't care. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, looking back at it, like, you know, from a sociological angle and stuff, I mean, there's a lot to say about that, but I, I just, I just didn't really care. I mean, I just really, and in terms of like, you know, your first question about how I just danced for so long, and I was nothing, and I, and I really is nothing because, no when way. I went out, I, yeah, seriously, because like when I went out for my 40th, I went to a, this place called Egg. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just was just dancing, like, because I really, really loved the music. And for me, I think maybe this is like, this is my Africanness coming out because like, you know, with Africa, we, you know how we like rhythm and stuff and, you know, yes. and obviously like our ancestors, you know, like they use dance to kind of, um, you know, to get messages out and, you know, yes. for lots of different rituals and all this, that and the other. So mm -hmm. I think maybe that's that, that coming out into me, but you know, I never took drugs or anything like that. I, I just, for me, for me, it was just the kind of rhythm that got it. And then like, you know, everyone else's energy and, you know, so yeah, I think that's how I just managed to do it. But jungle, honestly, like, I mean, surely you must like a bit of jungle. Maybe I can, maybe I can swear you. Oh, maybe you can, you can tune me in with some of these radio stations, you know, now that everything is more legit yeah. <laughs> and they're actually on the right wave. Maybe I should get some tips from you that, you know, yeah, yeah I was, I'm very open to different um, music, music genres. And I think as you grow older, you, you get more, um, you get more open and you, you want mm. to experience sort of a, you know, the diversity that is out there. Yeah. You don't want to sort yeah. of feel left out. So yeah. definitely I, w I would, I would like you to recommend a few okay. stations sure. to get me, sure. yeah, yeah, to get me absolutely. engaged. Yeah. Um, so hardcore techno rave uh, mm. would you see any other people from from similar backgrounds to yourself um no you wouldn't no no no, no. not at all um so i mean you know uh, and this is this is again a very interesting it's a very interesting question and it also kind of like links back to the things that i'm writing about in the autobiography mm -hmm. because you know when when you i always remember as I say, the very first rave that I went to in Nottingham, like I was the only black, literally I was the only black person in there. And, and you know, there was some women there, but like I was definitely the only black person. And, you know, you would go and you'd go in there and they'd just be kind of like giving you these very strange looks. I mean, black people would give me strange looks for going in that tent. And I was just like, <laughs> I was very brazen. And in some ways I still kind of am. And then like, you know, when, you, when I came down to London later on as well, um, you would it was the same sort of thing but i think the interesting thing about coming down to london and just see see things as well was that like you know was the fact that i was relatively northern so that was an, that added another kind of like dimension to it because like here you get everybody but then you know it's either north north or whatever but like you know coming from the midlands and being black and being a female and being in those spaces you didn't I often was the only person. And even like when I went out with my friends, I would just go off by myself into those rooms and then, you know, just come back out sweating, like, you know, sweating like they wow. were for different reasons. Um, so I think it's just, I mean, I think it kind of ties back to, um, you know, in a way, the point of this podcast and the point of my paper, because 
I remember reading something by um, Bell Hooks. So she is a black feminist. And mm -hmm. one of the things that she said, I mean, she was kind of talking about the civil rights movement in the 60s. And she was saying that, like, you know, a lot of things are very sort of like, it was very um, homogenized, the way that blackness was seen. And it was also kind of like, you know, dictated, not dictated, but, you know, shaped, the narrative was shaped by like, you know, black men in those movements. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like there was no room for women and there was no room for sort of like, you know, diversity because it was very, very fixed. And, you know, yes. I was talking about this idea sort of in a lecture a couple of weeks ago when we did it on when we were looking at race and identity. So it was just those, uh, there was a word for it. Um, so it was like she, the way that Bell Hooks, she talked about it, about, you know, essentialized notions of blackness. And then there was another theorist, I forget his name, but, and I actually used him in my paper, so I should remember him. But um, he was saying the same thing. He was saying that, like, you know, when it comes to popular culture, you know, there are very kind of like, you know, fixed ideas around identity and that, that applies to gender, it applies to class and it yes. applies to race. Yes. And, you know, rave music was very sort of like, particularly hardcore, happy hardcore, that was very sort of like, you know, white working class male. And, you know, like there I was as a black, you know, lower, to call myself sort of like upper working class, lower middle class female in there. So obviously I just didn't fit in. But I mean, I just think that I didn't care. As I said, I just didn't care. I mean, in the end, like people just had to accept that. I'm just going in there and I'm going to the dance, the music and stuff like that. And then you just, you just accept me. And then I just became part of the furniture, so to speak. But I think what mm. is quite sad is that, you know, people have very, very fixed ideas of like, mm -hmm. like a bit like what, you know, Bell Hooks was saying, people have very fixed yes. ideas about what it means to be black, you know, the kind of popular culture you should some consume and, yes. you know, the kind Depending of way that you on should your... think. On yeah, your race, yeah. your your background, yeah. your yeah, your sexuality. Yeah, yes. yeah the whole thing, mm -hmm. the whole thing. I mean, and I can remember just like, you know, because I just didn't fit in and stuff. And, you know, I remember like people just sort of laughing at particularly, you know, some of even with some of my family members, they were just laughing at me. I remember one of my cousins, um, I was listening to some music and he'd come around to see my brother and he just, uh, he, he heard it. I came out of the room and he turned around to my brother and said, you know what, that's university that's done that. And I was thinking, well, oh, actually, wow. no, I yeah, I haven't. It, it wasn't actually because, he, you know, if you noticed, I was like this all along. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, I think after a while, people just had to accept that, you know, I had all sorts of mad names attached to me, like, you know, like mud up, as in muddled up, uh, um, you know, Oh, wow. Mad chick and all that kind of stuff, you know, Lulu, Lulu as in like, as in like, Lou, yeah, Lou, 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 yes. kind of thing mm -hmm. and stuff. So, you know, but I just like, well, you know, if you, if that's what you think, that's fine, you know, but you'll never get me to like the kind of music and I'm not going yes. to change. And stuff, Do you think so. this, this, this um, misconception again, because this is part of the misconception, isn't it? Is people judging you for, yeah. And enjoying this this genre of music yeah. um, do you think this 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 will change or this has changed over the years since you you've you've started you know yeah I mean I think in, in my generation I mean I, I, was, I was actually reading a little bit more of this stuff and there's a guy called Eddie Ochere and he, he's a Ghanaian he's a similar background for me actually and he's just kind of like wrote about black people in the rave culture and stuff like that and you know I think there was a there's a slow change i mean i think there are still some there's, there's there's still some i don't want to say 
factions or anything, but like I think, you know, with the younger generations, I've noticed with sort of, and I say this in a lot of places for a lot of different reasons, but you know, the millennials and the generation Zs, they sort of change, they're becoming more accepting and they're more kind of like mm. adaptable to things and, you know, recognizing of like, you know, difference. And I think with some of them, because like when you look at these rave groups, um, you know, some of the ones that I, um, I follow on Twitter or on Facebook. And I, and I really want to give out a shout, massive shout out actually to um, the Happy Hardcore Twitter group that I, Twitter, you know, group that I follow and stuff like that. I really want to shout, give him a shout out because um, he's given me the tunes, the tune that I'm going to use for this iPad. So, you know, big shout out to him. Um, yes. But yeah, so uh, I think it's changing. I mean, you he, you read some of like the comments on the Twitter feeds or on the Facebook groups or like, you know, you talk to some of the younger ones, they, they'll hear their parents talking and then they'll wish they were there. And I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that, you know, look at what they're growing up under, you know, they're growing up under a recession. Unfortunately, I hate that label, but they're saying that, you know, they're very much a COVID generation, which is really quite sad, you know? Yes, so yes. I, I think they're, they're kind of like looking, I don't want to say wistfully, but I, I think they wish that there was something you know, kind of mm -hmm. a bit positive like that and collective that they yes. could have been with and stuff. Yes. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's that notion of belonging of, you know, yeah. you want to be part of something. You don't mm. want to go through, through your teenage years or young adulthood without anything that, you know, marks you, anything that, you know, that leaves a good, you know, yeah. something yeah. to look in the future and, and look back and say wow I've done that you know like your yeah. story I mean your story is yeah. amazing for somebody <laughs> who has the conception that I have it's like mm. I wish I was there I was I was actually mm. imagining the story that you were saying about your your friends going in different directions and having that instant reaction oh. it's straight out of a comedy um, it, oh, I mean, if you'd have you seen know. it, if if you'd have seen, I mean, the thing is as well, it's just like, <laughs> well, when I look back now, I think it was really quite funny because it was just like, you know, all three of us, we look quite different as well because Amma was very kind of like, um, she was very like statuesque. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, you know, just imagine her just kind of like sprinting off. And yeah. then like, you know, Rita, Rita was like a model. And like, you know, she's just doing this kind of like, you know, and then me, I'm just like scatterbrained. I'm just like running wherever, do you know what I mean? So like, it just, it just looked, it, it did look really like, you know, if you'd have filmed it and you just done <laughs> in slow motion, it would have just been wow. hilarious. But like, we were so scared. Like when by the time we found each other, we were so scared. We were just like, right, I think we're just gonna hope, go not. home. And you know, we we caught. And your parents and never found out. No, they didn't find out. I mean, the thing is, they're gonna find out if they listen to this. They're gonna find out once they're listening to the to this, and then they're gonna yeah. puzzle things and say, oh, that makes sense now. It's just like, oh well. You know. <laughs> You're off the yeah. hook now. You yeah, know. Well, <laughs> well, I might not be, but you know. Hey. No sanctions now. They they're not. They don't apply anymore. Wow. There's so much to say. There's so much to say about this. Um, mm. we're just gonna take a quick break. Yeah. And sure. we'll come back. We convene because okay. there's a lot more to say. I mean, you you're yeah. gonna be talking to us about your new um, publication that's coming. Yeah. Uh, yep. So we want to hear more about that and okay. and other rave rave culture stories that you have. Amazing okay. rave culture stories. Okay. Okay. So we'll All come right, back. Okay. Okay, Take thank five. you. Thank you. See you later. Everything Bye. starts with an E. <laughs>